0: Alright, this section over here, especially with with these three ladies in between that sandwich there, you're okay. But it's the ladies behind you and the lady in front of you. you you got to be careful of here. Well, Brother Todd asked that we continue in the book of Hebrews, and so I'm going to do something special for you tonight. Uh, I'm going to take you back to Hebrews chapter 1, uh, because I think... That, that we miss something there that needs to be brought out. And so I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, and so let's pray. Father, thank you for our time tonight. Thank you for these folks that uh, uh, made it. I pray that you'll bless them and you'll bless your word. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, a- as you know, the, the book of Hebrews was written... To Jewish Christians. You say, well, then it doesn't apply to us. Well, it, it does. The whole Bible applies to everybody, but in particular, this was written to Jewish Christians because they had such a hard time with two areas. Jewish people have always had a hard time with two areas, and I've discussed this in, in weeks uh, past. They have a struggle with who God is and how God saves. Now, I bring that up every time we get into the book of Hebrews because this is what Hebrews is all about, reminding the Jewish believers not to fail in these two areas. Now, unbeknown to most Christians, the book of Hebrews quotes the Old Testament 36 times. You think about that. In the small book of Hebrews, The author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, quoted the Old Testament 36 times. In fact, the author of Hebrews actually quotes from 12 of the 39 Old Testament books, which means that close to one-third of the entire Old Testament is quoted just in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews quotes Habakkuk once, Haggai once, Proverbs once, Joshua once. 2 Samuel once, Isaiah once, it quotes Genesis twice, it quotes 1 Chronicles twice, it quotes Jeremiah twice, it quotes Deuteronomy three times, Exodus four times, and, wait for it, the Psalms 19 times in this short book called Hebrews. Which means 19 of the 36 Old Testament quotes Found in Hebrews comes directly from the Book of Psalms. Thus, the author of Psalms quotes the, or the author of Hebrews quotes the Psalms more than all the other eleven Old Testament books combined. So, if you want to understand the Book of Hebrews, which book in the Old Testament do you think you ought to study? Psalms, okay. By the way, of the 19 times in Hebrews that the Psalms are quoted, 12 of those 19 quotes deal directly with Christ. Now, Think about it. Psalms is what the Hebrew, the Hebrew author quotes the most, and 12 of those 19 quotes are directed at Christ. Who He is, what He did, and what He's going to do. For example, in Hebrews 1, 6 through 6-9, the author speaks directly to who Jesus is According to verses 6 and 8, he's God. Not a God or some famous prophet. No, he's God himself who came in flesh to save mankind. When you get to Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, the author speaks directly to both who Jesus is and what he did. And when you read verse 10, you find he created all things. Then when you get to Hebrews 1.13, the author speaks directly to both who Jesus is and what He's going to do. Because when you read verse 13, what He's going to do is He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years when He comes back. So, just think about it. Just in the first chapter of Hebrews, just in the first chapter, it's all about who Christ is, what He did, and what He's going to do. Just in the first chapter. Interesting fact Every Old Testament quote the author of Hebrews lists in chapter 1 comes directly from a few psalms. And these psalms are important if you want to understand who Christ is, what He did, and what He's going to do. For example, turn to Hebrews 1 and verse 6. Hebrews 1.6 quotes Psalm 97 and verse 7 and proves who Jesus is. Look what it says here. It says, and again, when he... you got to catch this. If, if you believe in learning something, you might want to underline the word he. You might want to highlight it. You might want to circle it, or you might want to write it down, because this is going to be important to something you need to learn in Hebrews chapter 1 that you haven't seen, probably. And again, when he... Note who he is. When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world... By the way, who's... Who brought the first begotten into the world? Who's the he there? Who's the he there? God the Father. Okay? When he, God the Father, bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he, God the Father, said, and let all the what? Angels of God worship who? Jesus. So God the Father, in the Psalms, that's quoted by the author of Hebrews, says... Worship Jesus. And by the way, only one person in Scripture should be worshipped, yes or no? And that person is who? God. And yet God the Father says, worship Jesus. Now, Now, follow this if you would. He said, when He, speaking of God the Father, bringeth in the first begotten in the world, He, note that word He, Saith, and let all the angels of God worship Jesus. So who's telling us here to give Jesus the kind of worship that only God deserves? Who is it? Is it the author of Psalms or is it God Himself? It's God Himself. Now you're catching this. Now watch. You're, you're going to catch something in Hebrews chapter 1 you may not have caught in, in times past. God told Moses in Exodus 23 through 5, Thou shalt have, what's the next word? No other gods before me. Verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not, what's those next two words? Bow down thyself to them. Don't worship other gods, nor serve them, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. By the way, that's pretty literal, yes or no? It, not, not, now watch. God tells us in Exodus 20, 3 through 5, not to worship any other God out there but Him, then reminds us in Psalm 97 and verse 7 that He shares that worship with Jesus, which tells you there's more than one person in the triune Godhead. Now, now, stay with me. 1 John 5, 20 says, And we, what's the next word? No. By the way, that Greek word is not gonosco. Gonosco is a coming to a knowledge. This is the Greek word oida, fullness of knowledge. John says, And we know that we know that we know that we know that we know. I mean, that's the best way to put it when you read this verse. We know what? We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him, talking about God the Father, that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This, this Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Folks, if John proclaims Jesus to be the true God and the Father tells us he's worthy of our worship, why can't folks who say they believe the Bible and worship God the Father do the same? You say, well, they do. No, they don't. Do you know how many people and religions out there? And if anybody should know this, Christians should know this. They don't, but they should. Do you know how many religions out there (laughs) in the world Believe the Scriptures and believe in a godlike Father, but don't believe Jesus is a part of that Godhead. I mean, it's un- unreal how many out there. Example. Muslims say they believe in the Old Testament Scriptures. I can't tell you how many Muslims I've witnessed to over the last 50 years. I mean, and most of them that I've witnessed to have been in universities. <laughs> Because I've gone to a lot of different universities, witnessing to folks, and most of the Muslims I've ever run into are Muslims that have come over here and they get into our universities and go back with their knowledge uh, or education back to uh, the Middle East. Muslims say they believe in the Old Testament Scriptures. By the way, even their Quran tells you, if you've ever read their Quran, I have a copy of the Quran. You say, you have a copy of the Quran? Everybody should have a copy of the Quran. You say, why is it God's Word? No but you ought to know what they believe, and what they believe is based on the Quran. And the Koran says, now listen to this, the Quran says that the Old Testament scriptures are scripture. This is, this is how I witness to Muslims. I just use the Old Testament, because even though I don't use the Koran, I use what the Quran says is good, which is the Old Testament scriptures. And I'll take them to Psalm 97 and verse seven, along with some of these other things that are gonna be mentioned. The Muslims even say they worship a godlike father image called Allah, which is n- another name for Elohim. If you say you believe in the Old Testament scriptures and you worship a godlike father image, and that godlike father image tells you to worship Jesus as well, why don't you? Why don't you? Did you catch what I just said? I- I'm going to emphasize this because this is what Hebrews chapter 1 is going to emphasize. By the way, this word worship in Hebrews 1.6 is the Greek word proskuneo. By the way, there are eight different Greek words that are translated worship in the New Testament. Eight! But only one of those eight talks about worshiping God, and that's proskuneo. It's the only Greek word used throughout the entire New Testament to describe the kind of worship that only God receives. And God the Father tells us to give that kind of worship to Jesus. Says it. So when Muslims say they believe the Bible and they worship a God-like Father image who tells them to worship Jesus as God as well, why don't they? Hebrews 1.8 which quotes Psalm 45, 6, and 7, says this. But unto the Son, what's the next word? I hate to be repetitious. What's the next word? He. Who do you think the He is here? God the Father again. We know that by going back to the Psalms. But unto the Son, He, God the Father, saith unto them, thy, or saith unto him, thy, what's the next word? O god. oh god <laughs> unto the son god the father saith thy throne lord jesus O god by the way that word O god in the hebrew is elohim the father is calling jesus elohim he's calling him by the same name he has are you following here but unto the son God the Father, saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Example. Religious Jews, and by the way, there's nine point, I don't know how many, almost 10 million Jews over in Israel now. There's Jews all around the world. But the population of the entire Jewish race is less than 20 million people around the world. You do know that. Isn't that amazing how the whole world's focusing on Israel and there's only, there's less than 20 million Jews in the entire world. But now most of them, or at least half of them, are actually living in Israel. And those Jews that are living in Israel right now that are fighting the extreme Muslims, okay, they believe what Muslims believe. You didn't know that, did you? We ought to support Israel for sure. Because God says, they're a part of my clock, my my prophetic word, and, and I'm coming back to Israel. They have to be a nation when I come back. In 1948, he made sure Israel became a nation again. But that doesn't mean they believe in God, the God of the Bible. These religious Jews may believe the scriptures, and they may believe the God of the Bible, But they don't believe what the god of the bible said about jesus now are you going to believe your religion over scripture religious jews say they believe in the old testament scriptures they even say they worship a god-like father image called elohim or jehovah if you say you believe in an old testament scriptures and you worship a god-like father image and that god-like father image tells you to worship jesus Why don't you? They have the same Old Testament Scriptures we do. They read the same thing we do. They can read it in the original language, just like we do. And it says, thy throne, O God, the Father says to Jesus, is forever and ever. So you say you believe the Scriptures, and you believe in the God of the Scriptures, and the God of the Scriptures say to worship Jesus, how come you don't? Follow, if you would. When Solomon who wrote Psalm forty five said, Thy throne, O Elohim, is forever and ever, the scepter of thy kingdom is a scepter is a right scepter, uh, was he speaking or was he speaking for God the Father here? It wasn't Solomon speaking, it was Solomon speaking for God here. According to Hebrews one eight, Solomon was speaking for the Father. So when religious Jews say they believe the Bible, and they worship a godlike Father image who tells them to worship Jesus, I don't understand. Why don't they? Why'd they crucify him and not worship him? God the Father said to worship him, yet they crucified him. So you have Muslims, religious Muslims, you have religious Jews. I'm not done yet. Now note Hebrews 113, which quotes Psalm 110. So we, we've gone from Psalm 97 to Psalm 45. Now we're Psalm 110. These are the three scriptures that the author of Hebrews quotes in the Old Testament. And listen to this. He attributes every quote to God saying it. God the Father. And God the Father says, worship Jesus. Tells the angels that. God the Father says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Calls him his own name. Now, note, Hebrews 1.13. I think think you're going to appreciate this. But to which of the angels said... What's the next word? Are are you circling that word? Are you underlining it? Are you highlighting it? Are you writing it down? Because this is key to understanding Hebrews chapter 1. But to which of the angels said he, God the Father, at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now we know who he's talking to. He's talking to Jesus. The Father is speaking to Jesus in Psalm 110 and verse one. We know that. David said in Psalm 110 and verse one, the Lord said unto my Lord. By the way, notice there's two different lords. One's capitalized and the second Lord is not. And I'm gonna tell you why that is. The psalmist David said, The Lord, that's the Hebrew word Jehovah, said unto my Lord, that's the Hebrew word Audun, which can mean either God or man. So we don't have a a definition as to who that second Lord is yet. But David did call him my Lord, my Audun, okay? Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. We know who the second Lord there is it's Jesus. Jesus is the one that the Father says, sit right here. And David calls that second Lord his Lord. But who is he? Well, when you get to verse 5 of of, of Psalm 110 and verse 1, it tells you who that second Lord is. Look at it. Psalm 110 and verse 5. The Lord at thy right hand, (laughs) it's telling you this is the odd done of verse 1. But this word Lord... Is the Hebrew word "Adonai," meaning divine ruler? It's a Hebrew word used only of God. So when David said, "The Lord said unto my Lord, my Adon," he's, he he changed it in verse five. He says, "My Adonai, my divine ruler." He's as much God as the Father is God, and this just comes in in the first chapter of Hebrews. Meaning, he who sits at the right hand of the Father is as much God as the Father is God. You you say, well, how is that so? Because the Father said so. He, remember all those verses in Hebrews? Remember, the the author of Hebrews takes all these psalms in, in Hebrews chapter 1, and he attributes all of these quotes to God the Father. God the Father is the one telling the world Jesus is a part of the triune Godhead and you need to worship him as much as you worship me and yet the world doesn't do that example mormons and jehovah witnesses say they believe in the old testament scriptures i've witnessed to a ton of them over the last 50 years they even say they worship a god-like father image called elohim if you say you believe in the old testament scriptures just like the muslims and the jews do and you worship a God-like Father image, just like the Muslims and the Jews do, and that godlike Father image tells you to worship Jesus because he's equal to Jesus, why don't you? Why, why don't you? Are you religious but lost? The answer is yes. Philippians 2, 5, and 6, Paul said this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the, what's the next word? Form of God. Thought it not robbery to be, and what's the next word? Equal to God. So when Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses say they believe the Bible and they worship a God-like Father image who tells them to worship Jesus in the same way, why don't they? And by the way, I've only listed four religions here. I've only listed Judaism and 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 uh, Islam and uh, Mormonism and Jehovah witnesses. Uh, but, but by the way, all four groups who don't have Jesus right have salvation wrong. You don't get God right, you don't get salvation right. You say well, how do they have it wrong? They believe you have to work your way to heaven? They believe you have to work your way to heaven? They believe you have to work your way to heaven? They believe you have to. And I'm only, I'm only talk, talking about four religions here. Well, folks, is salvation by works or grace? Well, what's it by? Grace. So you can believe in the scriptures. You can even believe in a father image called Allah or Elohim or Jehovah or whatever you want to call it. You, you can believe in all of that and still have it completely wrong, yes or no. Here's the point in case you missed it. In every case in Hebrews chapter 1 where the Psalms in the Old Testament are quoted concerning Christ, it is the Father. Not David, not Solomon, the authors of those Psalms. Not the author of Hebrews. It is the Father that demands we worship Jesus and call Him God. Now, if anybody should know that, It should be Christians, yes or no. And yet how many Christians really know that? I'm not telling you to do so. God the Father is telling you to do so. Think about it. Muslims, Jews, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses all worship a God-like Father image yet refuse to worship the Son which the Father commands them to worship. It doesn't get any screwier than that, folks. But if anybody ought to understand this stuff, it's you and I as believers. I had uh, Jesse call me yesterday. Remember Matt, Jesse and Matt? They're doing really good wherever they're at. I forgot where they're at, but they're doing But she called me because she's taken a class from Liberty University on apologetics. And she says, I really need your help, Brother Brad. I said, well, you got my reference work. Why don't you just take it right out of my reference work? She says, well, I I don't know where it's at. (laughs) So I had to, she told me she was working four jobs and she was trying to get back to working just one job. What what a great gal, her and her husband. And they're doing very well. Apologetics. That's a strange word to most Christians. Apologetics is all about defending what you believe. Most Christians could not defend what they believe. They believe it, and that's good. It's going to get you to heaven. But you couldn't defend it. Are you getting the picture here just from Hebrews chapter 1? Whenever you get God wrong because you refuse to include Christ as a part of that Godhead, you get salvation wrong. Here's what I do every day of my life. Every day of my life, I do this. I have little rituals during my prayer time. First of all, you should pray every day. (laughs) The Bible says you ought to. Uh, Luke chapter 11. And, you know, not, not if you pray, when you pray, okay? And your prayer ought to include those seven areas that, that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 11. When I pray, I go through a certain ritual. And I'm not going to get into the complete details, but I'm, I, this is what I remind God every day of. Oh, it's up there. Number one, I need him. First thing I do is I start out, I say, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. And everybody says, amen. Okay. I need you because you're always right and I'm always wrong. By the way, everybody ought to tell God that. And then I I go through thanking him for my salvation and my wife and blah, blah, blah. And then I get into praising him. And, And one of the attributes of God is his sovereignty. The fact that he controls all things, everything. He controlled the fact that you didn't get in an accident tonight. But if you did, he controls that as well. You say, that's what sovereignty means? It means he has total control over everything. Yeah, the world's going in one direction, but it's going in the direction he wants it to go to. Again, the the world is not falling apart. It's falling into place, as you've often said. So I kneel to his sovereignty. Lord, (laughs) whatever you have for my life today, it's okay with me oh, you, 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 you want me to get sick and be laid up for a few weeks. Great. You, I mean, you just, you kneel to a sovereignty, just like Job did. In Job chapter 1, he kneeled to God's sovereignty. Everything God allowed Job to go through, the Bible says at the end of the uh, chapter 1 of Job that the Bible says he blessed the name of the Lord. And that word blessed means he kneeled to the sovereignty of God. The third part of my ritual as I say, I have no complaints. Now, don't ask her. Because she'll, she'll hear some of them. But, but, but now watch. I always correct myself. Do you correct yourself every day? Every day. You mean you really do complain? Oh, yeah. I'll complain about something or another, and then I have to completely come back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I already talked to you this morning and said I have no complaints. I really do mean that. Until I see something else I don't like. But but it's a little ritual. I want God to know I, I have no complaints. You shouldn't have any complaints. And then the fourth thing that I do is I say the reason I have no complaints is because I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able. Remember Timothy said that in the first chapter of Timothy? I know who that is. It's Jesus. He's the one that's got me. And and Jesus is in the hand of the Father, according to John chapter 10. And so I'm totally secure. These are little rituals I go through before I even get into, okay, Lord, provide me for this, forgive me for that, protect me from this, anoint me for that, before I can get into the other things that God asks us to pray about. By the way, the one I kneel to is Jesus. I kneel to him as I would the Father and Holy Spirit. Many times over the last 50 years that I've witnessed to different religions that believe the Scriptures, believe God in in a Father-like figure, uh, but don't believe Jesus is a part of that triune Godhead. uh, If they get frustrated me, the first thing I do is I kneel. And I said, would you join me in prayer? And they'll be looking down at me saying, who are you going to pray to? Well, I've already kneeled to Jesus. Oh, they want nothing to do with that. But I'm going to kneel to Jesus because the Father said to kneel to Jesus. So don't follow your religion. Follow God the Father who you say you believe in who has said three different times in the Psalms. I've only given you three different times. You realize how many times in the Psalms the Father tells us to worship the Son? Oh. Paul said in Romans 14, 10, and 11, and I'm almost done. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of, what's the next word? Christ. So who's on that judgment seat, the Father or the Son? Son, Christ. Verse 11, for it is written. (laughs) Paul is quoting the Old Testament here in, in Romans as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to... What's that next word? Me. Paul attributed that verse to Jesus. Because he's the one that's at the judgment seat. Are, are you following this? Now, here's the last thought. Now I didn't give you this, Mark. So if you don't want to put it up there, you don't have to. I, I'm going to paraphrase it anyway, okay? Okay. James 2.19, and I'm paraphrasing this verse. Thou believest that God is one? Good for you. However, the fallen angels believe what you believe, and they're terrified. Meaning, you can tremble at what you know to be true. You know the Scriptures and God to be true. But what good is that if you have a level of faith similar to that of a demon? Remember this. <clears throat> Just because you believe the Scriptures and worship God doesn't mean you know who God is. The Jews in Jesus' day rejected Christ. But they believed the Scriptures and they believed in a father-like figure called Elohim and Jehovah, but they rejected him. So it doesn't matter how much you know about God, you have to know God. Are you following me? Knowing about God is not the same as knowing God. Jesus said that in John 8, 54 through 58. You don't have to put it up on the screen if you don't want to. John eight fifty-four through 58, and I'm done. Jesus answered the Jewish religious people. He says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. See, they believed the Scriptures. They carried around the Old Testament. The Jews did. they quote from it, just like Satan can quote from it. And they threw it in Jesus' face often during his three-year ministry. And so Jesus said to him, <laughs> he, he said, whom ye say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know the Father, and I keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. The the, the one you brag on in the scriptures in the Old Testament. You know Abraham, way back there in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. He knew me, Jesus said. He knew all about me. He knew who I was, what I was going to do. He he knew how I was going to do it, and he wrote about a lot of these things. And you didn't follow what he believed. You followed some religious dogma called Judaism. Listen to what he says here. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Anybody who finally sees that salvation is by grace and it comes through Christ, who is God in the flesh and Christ alone, uh, rejoice in it, yes or no? Man, the day I got saved... I went home and called her 50-some years ago, she was a sophomore in high school. I was a senior. I said, "Man, you're not going to believe this." Some guy picked me up and showed me the Bible how I could know for sure when a daughter's going to heaven, and you need to know that too." She said, "Well, how are we going to know that?" I said, "We're going to church Sunday." She said, "What?" <laughs> I've told the story a thousand times. But it's true. I, I, was, I was ecstatic. In fact, I was so glad. That that same week, because I think it was on Monday that I was hitchhiking and Frank Owens picked me up and gave me the gospel and then I called her Monday afternoon. But that week on Thursday, I asked Frank Owens to come over to my house and tell my parents the same thing he told me. Because he didn't tell me about religion. He told me about a relationship with Christ. And he told me who Christ was. Now, Now watch what it says here. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art yet not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 58. Jesus saith unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham ever existed. What's those next two words? By the way, that's the word for Jehovah. I am God. And the Bible says in the next verse that the Jews... The religious Jews picked up stones to kill Jesus because they said, you're blaspheming. We know the scriptures. We know the Old Testament Father. We know who he he is, and we know what he wrote, and, and Jesus isn't a part of it. And Jesus said to those people that believed that, I was there before Abraham was there. I created Abraham. Oh, they didn't like that. So do you, do you see what... You might have missed in Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews puts his finger out to whoever's reading the first chapter, and there were no chapters when he wrote Hebrews, but for our sake, the first chapter, and he said, now pay attention to this. You have a problem with who God is and how he saves. You get, you get it right as far as who God is, you'll get it right as far as how God saves. Now, I know you're already saved, but you Jews have already had a, always had a problem with this. And then he points his finger back at the Psalms, <laughs> Psalm 97, Psalm 45, and Psalm 110, to show them this is what God the Father says to do with Jesus. Worship Him. And you're not doing it. You say, well, I understand everything you're saying here tonight. Good. Because you need to know apologetically how to defend what you believe. There isn't a Mormon, Jehovah Witness, Muslim, or Jewish person that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to thousands and thousands of people over the last 50 years. There isn't one of them that I haven't been able to correctly explain to them salvation by grace through faith in Christ, who God the Father says, worship. He's as much God as I'm God. Say, how many of them have gotten saved? Maybe one or two Jehovah Witnesses. Maybe one Mormon. No Jews. (laughs) uh, No Muslims. But it isn't that I didn't have them thinking by the time we got done talking. Know how to defend what you believe. And if you believe the Old Testament Scriptures and you believe in a Father-like figure as far as God is concerned, and that Father-like figure says, oh, don't forget, worship the second person of the triune Godhead because I'm sending him into the world to save the world. And we should, yes or no? So when you bow your knee to God, don't bow it just to the Father. Father all your need of the Son, as well as the Holy Spirit. All three are equally God. So how do you know? Because they have personalities? Say, God the Father has a personality? (laughs) Yes or no? And the Lord said unto my Lord, so was the first Lord in Psalm 110 and verse 1 talking to the second Lord? Say yes. And we know the first Lord is God the Father and the second Lord is Jesus. We know that. When you get to verse 5, it's, you know, it's Adonai, so we know that God is talking to God. So worship them. And to need all three. Why? Because the Father says so. He says so. Does that help with Hebrews chapter 1? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time here tonight. It's good to. rehash hebrews chapter one which really is the beginning of the entire book of hebrews and it's good to rehash the emphasis of hebrews chapter one focusing on god the father telling the world through the old testament scriptures and through the author of hebrews to worship jesus and i do I bend my knee, Father, to you. I bend my knee to the Lord Jesus. I bend my knee to the Holy Spirit. The great three in one. And I'm glad we have songs that we sing about when it comes to the triune Godhead. We know who you are. Thus, we know how you save. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.